0: Let's do this, Blade to Mickey, on a Wednesday. Gosh, it's hump day already. What happened to this week? I uh, want to say thanks as we get started for a couple of different things. Again, thanks to all of you who listen to this show, participated in it every day. I uh, can't tell you how much we, we appreciate that. Um, and you call in, and you get on Zone TV, and you say what up, and you uh, interact with us on Twitter and everywhere we go. And uh, we appreciate that more than you would ever know. Thank you so much. We do we love do. the love. <laughs> and uh, anytime somebody calls in and they say, hey, love the show or love you guys, trust me, it goes both ways. We, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we appreciate you guys and gals so much. And uh, uh, this station is special in so many ways. And because of the people who listen to it and who love the zone. Mm-hmm. And we saw that again yesterday when we did Toy, Toy Field. Field. Yeah. And here come hundreds of people bringing thousands of toys again. That's remarkable. And, and, Blaine, it's, you know, I, I said this a couple times yesterday. Toy Field is always the day, if I haven't quite gotten in the Christmas spirit yet or not, Toy Field is always the thing that does it for me. Oh, yeah. Just it's to nice to get woken up people by, the,
1: are. By, by the cold weather every time, so you, you know it's here. Oh, my gosh. Well, the cold weather <laughs> but, certainly w- w- but, but uh, The generosity goes way deeper from the sponsors to all the people bringing the gifts uh, for uh, the youth as well as the elderly and uh, all the people participating uh, you know, through the zone and outside of the zone. So, man, it's it's always uh, the biggest and greatest event uh, at 104.5 The Zone, man. I always, I'm always i just proud to be a part of it and uh,
0: with all you guys in the
1: community being a part of it as well. Absolutely.
0: Well said. So, uh, again, thank you, guys. You, you, you all make uh, what we do very special, and we appreciate it so much uh, for sure. Wanted to start the show and, and say that. Uh, mm-hmm. Rhett Brian tweeted out a picture. Jim Nance came by yesterday. Oh, Jim yeah, Nance brought Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah well, because he lives here. What up, Jim Nance? That's when you know it's the real it <laughs> when Jim Nance moves here.
1: I think he moved here, like, last year or so. I remember him telling us that uh, when we had him on. Mm-hmm.
0: He snuck it in. I was like, oh. Hey, and that? just think, you're Jim Nance. You you could live anywhere. Huh? I mean, Where? anywhere you want. Oh, yeah. Nashville. Have, yeah, well, yeah, they have private jets to go everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, my gosh, I mean, Pebble Beach, there's a lot at his disposal as being Jim Nance. No, I'm going to live right here in Nashville. Okay. It's a great place. Um, it's the best place. You live here. We live here. So welcome to all of us uh, on this Wednesday. Uh, one big storyline in Nashville today is who's practicing and who isn't for the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel. Now, we'll know by the end of the show, probably by the time we start the 2 o'clock hour, oh, okay. we should have all the... They always practice during our show, so we count on the kindness of the tweets of John Glennon and Jim White and those guys to say, here's who did and who didn't practice. Mike Vrabel actually ruled out Jackrabbit before practice today. And that's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, I don't even know if you, if you remember this. Well, well, you you mentioned in the post game, hey, Jackrabbit got hurt today. That's something we need to watch. Oh, N- uh, oh foot ankle?
1: ankle. Oh, it was foot ankle he got uh, in the New England game. Yeah, that's why he made that horrific jump inside. I was like, what is he doing? And then the guy ran around all the way outside and <laughs> ran for a touchdown. <sighs> yeah. Everybody else got hooked. Yeah. Well, he was the savior, he was supposed to stay outside. Mm -hmm. Even with a hurt ankle. Yeah,
0: stay outside. Even I know this. We've had this discussion a bunch. I know defend the goal line, make them throw over you because there's another line behind you that they can't run past because it's out of bounds. These are fundamental things to help you as players
1: to play within the scheme of what they call, but they can't actually go out there and run the plays. You have to then take it and extrapolate how to make plays And what are the play calls designed to do? Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, that one there is a a bugaboo for me, Mickey. I I know, yeah. But you have the out-of-bounds line over there. It's a whole extra
0: defender. If you could just funnel him to it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I had this, uh, I I understood angles. That's why, you know, I I always looked like I was faster than I was. And and naturally, when you go to school like Ball State, you're not the elite of the elite or you'd be at a Power 5 school. So we learned angles from yours truly, a guy named Rick Mentor. He was my defensive coordinator. Uh, he left my senior year and went to Notre Dame as their D.C. Yeah, I remember His that. son currently is the D.C. for Vanderbilt. <laughs> and they taught us angles, and I learned how to manipulate it. And here's how they taught us. I'll give you a good example. All the high schools should be doing this. And some pros, by the way, I'm not going to skip college. But I would hope that they're doing this at times, especially like during spring ball and things you're trying to work on, is you push two wide outs out wide, mm-hmm. and you have the quarterback in the middle of the field, and you just hike it, and you throw to them on the outside. And they, like, run at half speed, mm-hmm. and they're just running, they running. Everybody has to then drop down on the ground, do a push-up, and then run and tag. In front of the player. Now, naturally, the D linemen, some of them not, are making it there. But you're teaching habits. Well, the backside corner is teaching how you go get that guy on the far sideline. And everybody's going to say, oh, you just take an angle straight like, no, you do an L to get to him. That's how you help get that angle. You don't go at an angle. You go at an L. That's how you get him. Well, backside what's going on with that mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah i kept trying to do the, the dangle I was like, oh no i can get him he's like oh, you won't get him never got him mm-hmm. so I, we had to do another one yep we're doing oh, another, oh, one. Blade, oh, l l do another one blaze he made us do another Oh,
0: that's how you learned yeah. about that the
1: okay. man yep you better hit the, you better hit this l before you you, you make Where him you run take again take this l so everybody look at him right exactly <laughs> and so every position teaches you how to angle and i came to realize that you play everything inside out unless you're on the backside. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I look like I'm making the right angles. And you always hear people talk, even yourself, me included. Oh, he took a bad angle. Mm-hmm. In reality, he doesn't know angles. He's always been the fastest, and he's never learned how to take the angles at every position that's on the field when you're you know, running back, the guy, stay inside out. If you're coming from the safety position, stay inside I, I had to learn the hard way. Oh, I'm going to get this tackle. Oh, I saw him do a tall sweep. I'm like, oh, I'm running right down that alley. Whoop, he cut back and went all the way back. to Slow play Call stay behind the running back, and then shoot the gap when he goes vertical up the field. Mm-hmm. See, you start learning all these different angles, and all of a sudden then everything becomes a lot easier. And so I don't think a lot of these guys even understand it. And I would think a guy like Vrabel, who's, a fundamental coach, right. which is a lost art, which is why I really appreciate when he talks about we're going to go back to fundamental. People think in the league that you have all those mastered. Right. They are not. And you have to continually reinforce them to the athletes because some of them lived off their ability most of the time. And now everybody is great, and you can't do that. So it's the ones who are fundamentally sound that can carry you, let's say, if you're not the fastest, you're not the biggest, you're fundamentals will help you through that process yeah whether it's a technique as however whether it's route running if the guy runs a 4-4 four, four, you run a 4-5 but if you're a good route runner maybe you, you'll you get open because that's the ones that last the longest so all those things come into play so I'm, I'm interested to hear who's gonna be healthy who's not some of the fundamental things they did today and, and to be honest all we want to hear is the Julio practice let's just be honest that's all we want to hear if he ain't practicing up, uh, well, nobody else is gonna make a difference. That's eligible to, you know, to practice. I mean, well, maybe you know, Jack Rabbit—he's the starter, so yeah. Who's gonna be the other corner? But hey, man, he's got the offense needs a threat, a bona fide threat. I don't care if he gets only five balls; he is on the field. We we can't we can't have no threats out there at the wide out. We know we're gonna pound the rock. So, whoever the running back is going to get the ball. But they got to have a threat. And then that'll help loosen up the coverages on the other guys, maybe. Because then they'll focus on Julio. So, I'm not saying he's going to come out and have a big day. I don't care if he only costs six balls or five balls. Just being out, out there. there. Mm-hmm. Man, that'll be huge. And then it's, it's time. It's time. Remember, I said I didn't know how much impact he would have during a regular season. Yeah. I said it before we got him. And I said, but where he can. Is in the playoffs. Well, we need to start revving that up. We we got five weeks of games here. It's so December. It's yeah, it's, it's time December. to let's start yeah. let's start getting in rhythm. Let's get into the flow. Get our timing down. And when we come at the end of December, we ready to rock and roll. I mean this this is This is this is, it's game time. As we went through the record yesterday, I I said four and one. I'm just I don't know which one they're gonna lose. I just say, hey, man, it's, it's hard to run the gauntlet, but you can, but eh, just go for one because you want to – guess what I learned? You want to get that little bit of edge right before you go into the playoffs. So you don't want to lose it like the last game. Mm-hmm. You want to move it somewhere where you, you, get, you get a little hungrier, a little hungrier. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. I was on a team that won 11 in a row. Won 11 in a row going into the playoffs. 11. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We got a bye, and we lost the second round mm-hmm. to the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Montana. We started off 1-4, and four, learning the 46 defense, bust all over the place, coverages, not being in the right gaps, all of that. Uh, but once we figured it out, it was a over. There was no way, no how that we didn't think we were going, as the Oilers, not going to play in Super Bowl versus the Cowboys. Didn't make it. Cowboys did. Mm. and They won it. And that's when Jimmy said, how about them Cowboys?
0: Oh, no. Meanwhile, we ran through them. Wasn't that when Bud said, "Hey, how about blowing up this team?" Yep, and
1: I said, uh "Oh, that means I'm gonna get cut."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were inexpensive. They're right. keeping you. I had
1: no idea I was a youngster. So,
0: yeah. yeah Is not that and, you said when he that, walked he, in he before did. then the preseason he it goes training camp? Yeah.
1: yeah. And the next thing you know, Warren Moon's traded. So I got to play one year with, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, man, he was incredible. I uh, mean, Sean Jones, William Fuller, Chris Dishman, Webster Slaughter. Hey, with Jeffries, Ernest Givens. I mean, these dudes in playing let alone, you know, the offensive line. They had uh, Bruce Matthews was there. And Munchak. Yeah, and Munchak. Two, that, that was his last players. year. His last year was yeah. Munchak's last year. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, dang, man, we just destroyed the thing. Oh, man.
0: So two all-fame linemen. And then two I was behind all-pro
1: uh, safety and Bubba McDowell. Yeah. Who's uh, coaching, uh, I think he's the head coach at Prairie View. right now. Uh, so, yeah, man, we they had some guys. Yeah, whew. yeah, Al Smith, uh-huh, middle linebacker, all pro. Uh, you still had Stevie J at that point, right? Yep. Steve Jackson, yeah. Daryl Lewis. Good gosh! Yeah, it was everywhere. Mark Rob, who was at that time was in his prime. I mean, oh, you, he got beat you, up. Yeah, yeah. He tore his patella tendon and, and you know ACL. Mm. I mean, you, I mean, you guys think Bayer was a ball hawk? This dude. <laughs> the ball almost like it finds him. I mean, he would get tipped interceptions, uh, you know, spectacular interceptions, jumping up in the air, reading the – I mean, man, his his uh center field ball skills was pretty incredible because he got drafted as a baseball player in the 12th round from Iowa State. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, they had guys all over the place. Joe Montana, huh? I remember yeah. watching that game. Yeah, that ding-dong. What did. did he that was at the end for him? Yeah,
1: I couldn't believe it. I mean, we dominated them in the first half and I was like, I don't think he's gonna come. You know, I had a bird's eye view, I was on the sideline. No, I was playing. <laughs> but you know, I I got to see him a lot. I was like, Hey man, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be able to make it through this game. I mean, when I one time I hit him, he was he was like, eh. uh oh. Sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> but he just kept it was like he kept Freddy coming. Kruger. He, he just went he went in he the just... locker room at halftime and I don't know what they gave him. They must gave him a tour shot or something. His elbow was swollen, I know. and he couldn't even straighten out his throwing elbow. And he came out there and started. I mean, <sighs> I was like, "What the heck happened?" Half-time Almost adjustment. like he woke up or something. Oh. I don't know, man. But then he he did just enough, and then Willie Davis, I remember. who was yeah, he caught the one hand uh, touchdown. Yeah, that kind of got us.
0: Oh on killer. He was from uh central Arkansas if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. University of Central Arkansas. And then we signed him really that next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey, I man. was like, dude, man, I still
1: don't like you, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good player. He had yeah. a nice run. So that was uh yeah, that was tough there, man. But uh yeah, man. So they got the they got the pieces. We're gonna go back to the tight. The pieces are there. We just wanna know about Julio. So get ready for
0: able to answer all
1: these Julio questions.
0: Hopefully we'll know, we should know by the time we start the 2 o'clock hour right thereabouts who practiced and who didn't. Here's my question.
1: But even if Julio plays or not play, what do you view right today about Julio Jones and his play? Is it fair or foul? When I say that is, was it a good signing or was it
0: a bust? Maybe you could phrase it a little bit better. Well, and this, you and I talked about this the other day, and people can tweet us, and we can actually talk about this coming up, maybe 45, because we got, uh, yeah. uh, we got John Bryce coming we'll up next. It maybe it's this. What would he have to do from here on out to make you say that was a great sign? What would he have to do from here on out? Because he hasn't really done. What, what, what just, just stay healthy? I think all the rest will play it out. All right, so Blaine has something as simple as just stay healthy. You can tweet yeah, us, stay you healthy. drop it in the Zone TV chat. Let's talk about that at 145, too. We'll do that, but let's do this next. John Bryce of Football Scoop, all the latest college football news. That's coming up. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. It's been a crazy off season for college football. It's been a crazy season on the field for college football. Everywhere you look, and our guy John Bryce, he follows all of it. Nobody covers it better than him. At John D. Bryce One on Twitter, Football Scoop. You can find him there. Bryce, for people who like chaos. Now I know, I know. Ultimately, at the end, it was a pretty easy choice for four teams for the committee. But how we got there, and each week, and now with all the coaching stuff, this has been a pretty crazy year.
2: Yeah, and I think you guys know the the word I've used consistently to describe this college football season is chaos. And I think um, we we had fun chaos all the way along. And I do think that the committee got it right with the four playoff teams. It was close. We were really close to uh, selection Sunday chaos, um, especially depending on how some things broke. Had, had Oklahoma State gotten six more inches, or the right, or or just the edge of that left left end zone pylon or anything, then who knows what we're saying about the selection process being right. But um, the difficult decisions kind of got made for the committee in a lot of ways this past weekend and a season that was absolute chaos throughout ends with um, three of the four teams that I think we all talked about at the beginning of the year having a legitimate shot. And the, and the fourth one to me, almost the most surprising one, is Michigan, especially after Michigan's early season loss to Michigan State.
0: How big of a surprise? Now I, you should never be surprised when Alabama and Nick Saban trounced somebody, but that they scored like forty-one against Georgia, who'd given up thirty-seven total in the previous five games. You know, we were doing the show on Friday before the game, and we we're like, "It's now or never." I mean, this is it for Georgia—either this or, or 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 never. Maybe. Well, it's, I guess it's still never because they couldn't get it done again against against Bama.
2: Yeah, and. Um- You know, I talked to people around the SEC and I talked to some coaches last week. And, um, of course, they were just friendly wagers. But I made a couple of wagers that um, gave me Alabama and some points in that game. And um, I just felt like they're still Alabama. They had not played their best game all year long. They obviously have now played their best game. Can they duplicate that in the postseason? We'll see. Could they duplicate that if there's a Georgia-Alabama rematch? We'll see. Um, but I just felt like Alabama had not played its best game. Alabama uh, still had great talent, still had great players, um, still has Will Anderson, uh, obviously Bryce Young. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a very very deflating loss for Georgia, especially the way that the Georgia started that game and, and seemingly had control early. Um, but it's a very um, it's a it's very much a, a self fulfilling prophecy for Alabama because Alabama. Didn't feel like underdogs in that game and and didn't feel like they should be underdogs in that game. And and when I talk with people at Alabama, um, the competitive fire in Nick Saban that he just so is obvious in the way he wins, but we don't really get to see it behind the scenes. But the people who know him best talk about that competitive fire and how much he loves to, quote, outwork these guys that are half his age. And I think that's a real thing. And I think it sharpens his focus. It sharpens his team's focus. And um, it's not just about being on the big stage. And and Blaine knows this uh, in in far greater uh, insight and detail than we ever could, Mickey. But it's not just about being on the big stage. It's about believing you belong and believing you can win on that big stage. And, And that's what Alabama has.
0: John D. Bryce, he he outworks everybody half his age. He's doing yeah. it right now on blaming me. Yeah, I'm just interested to see what, what, what nugget he's gonna drop us
1: this time, you know. I'm just <laughs> interested, man. I wanna make sure I ask the right question. So yes. I'm gonna start and go this direction. Virginia job and Duke Job. Kind of somewhat similar jobs. Maybe you beg to differ, but man, who's up for these jobs? Give us a two or three guys for up for these jobs, man, because I'm hearing all kinda of rumors. The coaching carousel is just
0: crazy right yeah, now. Yeah.
2: Um well, I think Tony Elliott is a um, primary factor in both those searches, and I think he's at or near the very top of the list for both those programs, both Virginia and Duke. Um, and In fact, I'm, I'm told by numerous people that Duke officials were in Tony Elliott's home Sunday evening visiting with him around the same time that Oklahoma officials were In that area of South Carolina picking up Brent Venables to fly him back to Oklahoma and make him the Sooners new head coach. So uh, Dabo's staring at the incredibly real possibility of of losing both of his coordinators, two of his most trusted confidants and assistant coaches of the last decade. Uh, I think Tony Elliott has been poised to be a head coach for a while. He, He was very hot in the cycle last year with Tennessee and Auburn, among others. And I think that it's about making the right decision. Poindexter had extreme momentum early in the Virginia opening, um, and a lot of people indicated they felt like it was it was his job to lose. But I think that um, Virginia officials are being thorough in the interview process, and I think that Tony Elliott has wowed some folks with his preparation uh, and his vision for a program. And I think Virginia is a slightly better job than. Than Duke um, State School. There's really good in-state talent in Virginia. We've um, got the Tidewater region. You can go recruit the DMV pretty easily. Um, Duke we've seen uh, able to recruit the best of the best in basketball. We've never seen Duke able to do that in football. Um, so that would probably take a different approach from the administration. And, and Virginia's two years removed from playing in the ACC championship game and playing in a new year's six bowl game. So for those reasons, I think Virginia has a little bit better job. And I think Tony Elliott and Anthony Poindexter are far and away the top two choices at Virginia. I think Tony Elliott is also um, very much at the top of the list for Duke. And then it gets a little murky after that,
1: man. So, you know, I mean, so Elliot takes the Virginia job. Where does Duke go? What direction do you think is, you know, on their punch list, like, or possibilities?
2: That's a that's a really good question, and uh, they've sort of gone through a, a number of candidates already. Uh, Mike Elko's on that list, and I think Mike Elko, the the Texas a defensive coordinator, is ready for a head coaching job. I could see um, Mike Elko creeping up that list a little bit if Tony Elliott goes a different direction, um, but that's that's sort of a mystery right now where they would go because it's that that job's been open now for a couple of weeks. There's uh, been quite a bit of movement in the cycle and, and Virginia people have to sell these coaches out here on their vision, they have to sell these coaches um, that they are going to commit to helping football have the exact same resources that basketball has on that campus and that they're committed with a vision to having Duke compete on a level playing field there in the ACC. I mean, if it, if it goes way beyond Tony Elliott, like I said, Mike Elko, Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator, he's going to be a head coach. If it doesn't look like it's going to happen this cycle, then, then probably not beyond the next coaching, the next full coaching carousel cycle. Uh, but those are two guys that are absolutely on their way up to becoming head coaches. Um, there are a lot of really good other young coaches out there that are starting to shine um Kendall Briles the Arkansas offensive coordinator I think is getting closer and closer to to breaking through he might need one or two more years and obviously he's uh fighting his last name a little bit from the from the mess at Baylor um but he's another guy that, that's on that upward trajectory
1: hmm. well I have to ask you this who I mean maybe it's there's two or three guys who was your favorite player to watch this past, you know, college football
2: season? Man, that's a – I love that question. Um, I think you guys know early on, uh, especially the first month of the season, it was probably Kyle Hamilton, the Notre Dame safety, because he reminded me so much of Eric Berry. And um, Mm. having been blessed enough to to become friends with Eric and, and have a close working relationship with him through the years, I got to see just what a fascinating human being he was on and off the field. And Kyle Hamilton's got a lot of those uh, same transcendent qualities. So I loved watching Kyle Hamilton early in the year. I love watching um, the Fresno State cor- quarterback, uh, Hainer. Um, I, I got hooked on, on his games early in the year when he led this incredible comeback for the, for the Bulldogs against UCLA when UCLA was ranked like number 13 in the country. And he literally just marched Fresno state up and down the field, mm-hmm. um, against the UCLA team that was obviously deeper and, and probably overall more talented and, and, willed his team to victory. So I loved that. It was obviously really fun to, uh, watch Bryce Young cook and and to see the progress that Hendon Hooker made this year at the university of Tennessee. Um, those were, those were big time guys. Will Anderson, like, was a lot of fun and then um, Davis the defensive lineman at Georgia when you can see guys at at all three levels and those three guys I just talked about uh, Davis Anderson and and Kyle Hamilton you can see guys on the defensive side of the ball at three different positions and all three levels singularly take over a game it's pretty special and so those are guys that have been on my awards Um, ballots that I've been turning in the last few days for the FWAA. Those are guys that I tried to make it a point to watch as much as possible over the course of this past season.
1: And you said exactly, I want to, besides Bryce Young, which was an obvious choice, is do the Heisman voters understand the value of a defensive player being a former defensive player to evaluate them for the Heisman and putting them in that kind of category? Because if you're yeah, if you're seeing it's fun to watch, guess how many other people said, "Man, that guy's a dominant performance." I just don't know if they know how to equate what a you know a defensive player's impact is.
2: Yeah, um, you're right. I think that's why there there's some people out there that um, sort of get turned off when it, when school A or school B launches a, a Heisman Trophy uh, campaign or, or or campaigns for their student athlete to be considered for the Bolitnikoff award or things like that. I can promise you talking to coaches and talking to college football people help me put Western Kentucky receiver, Jareth Stearns way up on my Bolitnikov ballot because mm-hmm. I paid a lot more attention to him and, and um, didn't dismiss his stats, but instead made an effort to go watch his film and to watch some Western Kentucky highlights and to uh, hold the game through a commercial break on maybe a bigger matchup if Western Kentucky was on so that I could in person watch Jareth Stearns and see what he was doing. And um, maybe one thing, I I vote on a lot of things. I'm not right now a Heisman voter. Um, Maybe one thing I would suggest is is delaying that perhaps by a week, um, that that end of the year total and, and letting people have a little bit more time to sift through some things. I don't know that we have to know the Heisman the three finalists or the five finalists or whatever this past Monday after the championship games. I don't know why we can't know that the ensuing Monday or maybe by this Friday, Um, just a little bit more time for a lot of these awards, I think would be a healthy approach and, and help everyone do their jobs better. And um, I try to take it seriously. I I text Mm -hmm. coaches um, whether we're doing stuff at football scoop for some of our awards that we do, or whether it's things that I'm voting on, I text coaches, I text other riders, I text personnel people, both professional personnel people and college personnel people. Um, you know, I want to know, and I want to be as well-informed as possible when I'm when I'm voting on these things, um, because for a lot of these guys, it's a, it's absolutely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity.
1: Mm, we're on with John Bryce giving us college football scoop with football scoop.
0: Hey, <laughs> Bryce, is there anything? rumbling out there about Hendon Hooker. I know uh, I know you're based out of South Bend now, but you still got uh, two feet firmly planted on the Tennessee beat as well. Is there anything about him turning pro or staying back? Any rumbling in that regard?
2: You know, I think it's a coin flip right now, Mickey, based on everyone I've talked to. Um, there are a couple of factors at play. Um, obviously, he's going to lose Cade Mays, and um, Tyon Evans is already gone, and, and so there's some pieces there. Uh, and and Hendon Hooker had a transcendent year. So the, the one side of it says um, you go while you have absolutely played the best season of ball of your life. And also, it's not a great year for quarterbacks in this draft. The flip side of that is some people I've talked to have made it clear like he would get drafted, but it would be a bit on down because he's only done it one year, and so there are a lot of people out there that would like to see him do it a second year in a row. I think it it really just depends on the continued feedback that he gets between now and, I believe, January 17th.
1: Mm. Who was that quarterback that that only started one year? uh, uh, Trubisky. Yeah. Didn't he just start one year? North Carolina. You know Bryce?
0: Hey, John, you there? Yeah,
1: I'm
2: here. I, uh, I couldn't hear you guys.
0: Oh, uh, Blaine had just mentioned Mitch Trubisky as as being one of those guys that there are sometimes NFL draftees, though, who do only have the one good year, and they go and wind up, you know, they they just leave after the one good year and don't take a chance on another one. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and look, if, if Hendon Hooker was, was being told he's had one great year and he's a consensus first-round pick, then um, there would be oh, zero debate yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, but I don't yeah. have anybody no, telling no, me yeah. that. I, th- yeah. I think Hendon Hooker probably projects closer to that third or fourth round. Right. Um, and only the first three rounds are guaranteed money. So then you, you have to decide. You have to um, – you're betting on yourself either way. Um, mm. And Hendon Hooker's earned that right. But you have to determine what which side of that coin you feel is the best bet.
0: Hey, I wanted to ask you about Hugh Freeze. I think I wanted to ask you – about him the last time but we ran out of time obviously I know him because I was with him at Arkansas State for a couple of years obviously got another big raise from Liberty who is flush with money from online programs and you know a a revenue stream that that school has but what have you heard about when he might put himself back out there again and and make a run at whatever job it might be
2: yeah I think he's ready um I'll be honest with you I think he's ready I think there are jobs certainly in the last two cycles that he would have strongly entertained. I've I've spoken with people extremely close to Hugh Freeze over the last two coaching carousels. He absolutely uh, would have had an interest in sitting down and talking to University of Tennessee officials uh, months ago when they ended up hiring Josh Heifel Um, and and there are jobs now. His his heart I think is um, in the right place in terms of what he wants to do with his coaching And, and he also is a competitor who has been at the very highest level. He's had the best regular season success of anybody in the SEC against Nick Saban, and um, I think he has that itch to get back at the top level when the time is right, but he admits he has a great situation at Liberty, tremendous resources. He's got that program, I think, in a position that if he continues to build on it, especially with uh, the Flames on the verge of now joining the conference, that he can... He's only going to continue to enhance his profile to get that second chance at a big-time job that, you know, frankly, I personally believe that he deserves. I I like Hugh. I've gotten to know Hugh. Um, I'm certainly not without my own ample amount of mistakes, and um, we're a society that I think a lot of times cheers for people um, the second time around, and I think Hugh Freeze is working towards his second big opportunity.
0: Well, and I know that dude. He's going to win wherever he goes. I would bet anything on him winning wherever he goes. Uh, Death taxes, and that dude wins everywhere. Uh, John Bryce, our guest here on Blaine & Mickey.
1: Yeah, before we let you go, I guess uh, give us uh, your your top, you know, two or three candidates who you think or give your plea for who should be coach of the year.
2: Man, that's a tough one, Blaine. Um, Both in the SEC and nationally, it's a tough one. And that's one of the ballots. I just filled out yesterday, and I won't won't divulge my entire order, but I'll tell you who I had on the ballot, and it was uh, Kalani Satake at BYU. He's Mm -hmm. one of the best coaches in college football, in my opinion, right now. And if I was Oregon, he would be maybe my first phone call to replace uh, Mario Cristobal. I really have tremendous respect for Coach Satake at BYU and what he's been able to do. I've got Billy Napier on my ballot. Um, the guys won 41 games, I think in four years at Lafayette, which had never been done closes with a 12 and one season one at Iowa state to start last year. He's on there. Luke fickle was on there. Um, I can't remember if I had maybe Mel Tucker on there. Mm. Um, and I'm forgetting my fifth. Um, but in the sec, I think if it wasn't for Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin, you would hear a lot more about Josh Heifel potentially being coach of the year, but I don't know how you look. Um, in the SEC beyond Lane Kiffin or Sam Pittman. And I might give it 1A, Sam Pittman, 1B, Lane Kiffin. I just mm-hmm. think that um, Pittman's rebuild was a little bit steeper than what Kiffin inherited at Ole Miss. Um, and, and Kiffin certainly had a singular quarterback in Matt Corral that Sam Pittman did not have.
1: Mm. Real quick, though, I know I said the last question, but my man Joe Salavea was assistant uh, head coach there at Oregon. Who's on the list? Are you hearing anything on the Oregon job?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um I think Sataki may be a legitimate candidate. I, I think him. Chip Kelly, I think Chip Kelly probably is a legitimate candidate. Justin Wilcox absolutely has traction at Oregon. Obviously, he played there. His dad's a former Oregon legend. He's already at Cal Berkeley, so he's been in the region. Yes, um so th- those are three of the guys that I think are are primary factors there. They're by no means the only three. Um, But there are three that I've had people indicate to me can or are or will be factors in that search, and I believe it. Mm,
1: Good stuff, man. And Poindexter just pulled his name out of the Virginia uh, coaching search, so he says time is not right. There you
0: go. Mm -hmm. Bryce, fantastic man uh we always we know you're busy we know you uh we know you're busy appreciate you spending some time with us people need to follow you at john d bryce one and uh, anywhere they can consume football scoop if you even care remotely about college football get on the football scoop train now all the info is there thank you sir appreciate it John. thanks
2: a lot boys i appreciate if i don't visit with you again before the holidays merry merry christmas to you and your families and everyone listening and to uh Shout-out to my guy, Chris Pappas,
0: because I know he's listening.
1: Appreciate it, man. Same to you guys.
0: All right, John Bryce. Hey, the Hitman asked a question as we started this hour. Uh, You can get on the phone. You can answer his own TV or Twitter. What do you need to see from Julio Jones to consider this signing to be a success from here on out? We all know what's happened so far. Julio Jones, that signing. What do you need to see from here on out to consider that a successful, well, acquisition by Mm. the Tennessee Titans. We'll give you some options, too. We'll tweet it out. We'll do that next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Beautiful hump day, my goodness. A beautiful day in the Music City. So here's the question. By the way, uh, lots of video. Out right now uh, from Titans reporters. Here's one from Ben Arthur. It is a video of none other than Julio Jones practicing for the Tennessee Titans. As we started the show today, Blaine, we were discussing scenarios and what Titans fans really should want to see this week. And you said, I'm just going to stop you. Uh, what they want to see is Julio Jones practicing. That's what you wanted to see. He is practicing it's, it's, it's
1: today. Just, yeah, Simple. practice and then stay healthy. And I think the production will be where it should be. I think he's, he's, still, he's still an elite player. He just has to stay healthy. Uh, You know, one thing you learn when you start getting up there, and he's he's starting to have issues with the hammy, right? It was last year, this year, on again, off again. And what I'm seeing at practice is I see, you know, nothing really. He looks like, oh, he looks good. I mean, right? So I go, well, didn't he look like that the time before he got injured, right? uh, You know, it's like, oh, okay. How about maybe he needs to start pacing himself at practice. When you start getting up there in age, you can't go – You Know and I don't think he's going 100%, but you can, you know, you're supposed to be around that 70% at practice, you just trying to get the finer details, make sure your timing's down, and those things because you know you only got so many reps in you, and when you start getting up there, it matters, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as age and reps, and and, because he's still elite. When I watch him in these videos, I go, "Uh Oh, oh, that's just a <laughs> That's special.
0: I looked, he's averaging
1: sixteen yards of reception Damn. for
0: the receptions right. that he has. So
1: let's slow down his reps at practice and and maybe and I think they had this intention. I just think it just happened kind of wrong and that they just pulled him at the end in the fourth quarter. Well, let's monitor him throughout a game and maybe in uh downs where you, you know, not passing or or you know, it's a third and three and you can get it with somebody else or so whatever, whatever. Just try to monitor his reps and they have all that you know uh technology with all those things you know these guys are wearing to make sure when he starts getting see, cuz when he starts getting fatigue that's when he's trying to go back into the reserves of his body and then it it breaks down mm-hmm. so uh this is uh B Bizzle the hitman's analysis of how to keep <laughs> <laughs> Julio I like, Jones. I feel like we healthy. need music for
0: this. I feel like need some kind of ramp up. Do so we have he, anything he, for this?
1: I don't want him. I want him to go 70%. I'm, I'm monitoring his reps at practice, and I'm sure they are. Uh, and uh, I just want to make sure we got something. We we're about to go on this run, and we want you out there the entire five and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks that we're about to go on this run. And so we're monitoring. I mean, I want that to be – the one person's job at practice. Ah, that's too many reps right now. You go stand on the side for a couple plays, and you can go back in. Yeah, it had nothing to do with what play you're running or not. I just want to make sure you're smooth. You're starting to get your timing with with because uh, I don't know. I think it was just about getting there. Mm-hmm. And you got to practice receiver and quarterback is about timing and confidence and the quarterback in you that you're going to be at the right spot. And I saw that with Tenio. Comfort level, which was, oh man, it was so important to me, is way more important for a quarterback. Here, I'm going to give you an example. Mm-hmm. Where had Hollister been most of this season?
0: Mm, it
1: we uh, sitting at home on the couch or the practice squad? One or two. Uh, more home than yeah. anything, yeah. Did you see him in the New England game? Yeah, he started. Yeah, at at <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, 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 I felt like he got more targets than anybody on the team, <laughs> yeah. and I like the guy. I didn't even think he's a guy. I like his size. I like the way he runs route. Huh? Guess who else likes him? Tannehill. He he was targeting him to a fault, even when he wasn't open, because he was comfortable with him when he was at training camp with him. Mm-hmm. So if Julio's not available at practice, you're not going to continue to get gain that confidence and. That you're going to be at the right spot and the timing and sometimes things change in a game and right while you're running your route. And you got to know this.
0: He got the second most targets in the game. He wasn't on the team the week before, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he had the most targets. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And they can say,
1: oh, well, we called. No, no. It wasn't about that you called plays for Hollister. I'm sorry. If somebody told you. That, that's not true. There's no way they took a guy off the street and said, we're going to call more plays for him, the NWI, and everybody else is on the team. Right. It's been here. So, yeah, there's a comfort there. And they got to get this. And the only way to get it is for him to stay healthy. And they were getting right there. They were getting close to getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, then the coordinator can decide, okay, this is what fits Julio best as far as route combinations for what he runs best as his talents are displayed cuz I sometimes I, I wonder if he's in an. off I feel like sometimes he's in a West Coast office they got him running these short routes and I feel like okay that's like a, a tight end like you know but he, he, we need him in space and let him use his size and length and speed versus you know guys my size and you know his athleticism I mean, you know it's even even deal if, if they even I'm giving I'm throwing it up there to Julio sorry he's going to win 9 out of 10 times there you go. This has been hashtag Hitman's health tips. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, because I, I wish Philly would have listened to me, and then I, I probably would have still been healthy to play another three or four years. They was like, oh, I said, I'm going by. I said, Blaine, are you practice? I yeah, I'm going by 80, 70, 75, 80. No, nah, we need you to go 100. I said, oh, I never went 100 pra- practice with uh, Coach Fisher. we're not, You're not there. It says Eagles, not Titans. I said, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to have enough left in the tank, man. You want me to go hard every single play at practice, every single one. I said I like talking about what our combinations are, how we're going to play it. I mean, I'm like I'm going hard, but I'm not going a hundred percent. Right, and now nah, we got to do that. Oh, okay, I said I'm gonna run out of gas. Watch, never tore muscle before in my life. Going bling. Oh, I bet that right in the game too. Yeah, I heard I- a LeVon Kirkland. That's who I heard. Of. That was a big human being. <laughs> and it said, "Blop." Oh, Block. I said, "Uh oh, something not right." I felt like I just ran in quicksand.
0: So I'm
1: I'm giving all the things that I say, I'm giving him advice because he's such an elite player much more than I was at at my position that he probably feels like he can just still go 100 miles an hour at practice for the next two or three years and it's not going to bother him. Well, let's look at your history last year and this year, and you know for whatever it is, you're straining your hamstring, and it's been an issue the last two years. Right. So you need to
0: slow it down, buddy. Right. Do
1: something Slow it different. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to try something else.
0: We have a question on Blaine and Mickey Twitter. Uh, it's interesting. What one, one answer is running away so far? Uh, my answer is different than the one that's running away. What do you need to see the rest of the season to consider the Julio Jones acquisition a success for the Titans? He stays healthy. Titans win the AFC South better record than 2020 or other list below who will let them know after the break yes we will also who practiced today who didn't we'll let you know that blaney mickey 104.5 the zone